0: all right welcome to 2022 who is ready for a new year so we've got a new year's filled with new expectations new hopes hopefully you had not failed yet because you're like t- less than two days into the year so hopefully your hopes and dreams haven't come crashing down yet and it's okay if they have anybody got any new year's resolutions I like it. You didn't even try. <laughs> You're learning. Anybody think that 2020 and 2021 were total disasters? I mean, there was some good stuff, right? Yeah, Parker's right. Everybody said 2021 was going to be better in 2020, and it was not. So you came to church today, and you want to hear a great sermon on a new year and peace and prosperity and what God's going to do for you in this year, Right? That ain't where we're going today. (laughs) However, I I can't promise I'm going to have this like peace and prosperity thing, but I can promise you I'm going to try my best to give you hope. There is a lot of gloom and doom around us, but there's not all gloom and doom. And I want to lay out to you what I think God is telling us for 2022. Each year, every pastor gets up and says, this is the word that God gave me for this year. And if you go listen to them at the end of the year, they're rarely correct. So I try to be very careful and being very cautious to say, I think this is what God is telling me. But we're also going to be flexible to move if it was just me, and we figure that out in a month or two, okay? So here's the deal. You've got to promise me something today. Don't give up on this message like 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in, okay? Promise? Everybody Promise? Because it's going to be a little hard, so it might, Satan wants you to feel condemnation when the message is hard, okay? So we bind that up in the name of Jesus right now. Lonnie already talked about it. We bind up any condemnation, Satan would try to bring in this building in the name of Jesus. It has no authority here, okay? Because I'm going to try to give you something kind of hard, but then tell you what to do with it okay and and do what to do with it is where the hope part comes so you just got to bear with me but I got to go backwards okay because this is our third year as being a church praise God and and in 2019 we were kind of new and we didn't know what our identity was and we were trying to find it and in the fall of 2019 God laid it on our hearts to talk about spiritual warfare Not just talk about it, but we spent weeks, like three months, on what is spiritual warfare and why is it important. Despite what you were raised to believe in church, what did Scripture say about it? Okay? And we didn't really understand why we were doing that, and that was at the end of 2019, and then 2020 hit, and we were like, oh, the Lord did have us do that, because what hit in 2020? Some of the greatest spiritual warfare we've ever seen, and it has not stopped. Okay? So we spent 2020 focusing on helping you fight fear, right? Helping you learn how to put your faith or encouraging you or reminding you to put your faith and hope in the right places and not in this craziness that was going on in our world. And then all that spiritual warfare just ratcheted up in 2021. Now, for us as a church, transitioning from 2020 to 2021 was painful, and many of you were a part of that. We had intense spiritual warfare attacking our church. I've noticed something. When I preach on something, Satan attacks. Two or three weeks ago, I preached on Satan's blueprint and how Jesus gave us a blueprint to attack it, and all hell broke loose over those next few days with families in here, people in the hospital but that's what Satan does. When you expose him, he attacks hard, and we have to be prepared for that, okay? We don't need to be discouraged, and that's kind of where we're going to go today. Lonnie gave us a word in 2020, gave the whole church a word. God was shaking us so we could become unshakable. Praise the Lord, you guys remember, and I'm thankful for that word because that shaking hurt, It made us question ourselves but we are all coming out stronger because of it and i think that's what she meant by unshakable so thank you lonnie for being obedient and giving us a tough word that was awesome 2021 2020 was marked by fear fear of a virus fear of death fear of what people thought about you if you didn't follow what they believed politically or socially with masks etc etc So we started 2021 with saying we need to get back to the fear of the Lord, the right fear. Not, and and see, if you don't remember, fear is a word that's translated wrong a lot in the Bible. So there's a lot of different words, and we put them to one word, fear. Fear of the Lord means to stand in reverence of him, to be in awe. Guess what? If you're defying him and going against him, you might want to be scared. But we focused on the fear of the Lord coming back to reverence for him. Loving him, being in awe of him, following him. Then we came out of our time of shaking. We focused on unity. And that's why we play that first song where we dance around and get goofy, because we want to have unity in the body of Christ. Then we focused on some basics to make sure that Jesus knows who you are. We spent how many months on that? Six months? Walking through one Sermon on the Mount, saying, I want to make sure that you not only know Jesus, but he knows you, because that's so important. And then we finished out the year with serving, okay? Just giving a little recap if you're new here. So where do we go in 2022? What should our theme be? So I want to kind of start by saying if you weren't here during any of those times, and those things are things you don't understand, just come ask us. Let us help you. Let us teach you. Let us walk you back through it. If you've been here the whole time, none of this should be new, but if you haven't been here and it's confusing, please let us know. I'll spend as much time with you as you need to catch up, discuss, debate, whatever you want to do, but only you know if you need that, so I have to rely on you to ask if you need it. So going into 2022, God gave Wendy and I a verse yesterday. It was kind of a theme, but I found a verse it tied to Hebrews 5. So if you've got your Bible or your phone or whatever, or you're taking notes, Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to kind of cover verses 7 through 14, but I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. So the writer in Hebrews says, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. So you got the Son of God coming to save the world, and what does it start out by saying? He pleaded with loud cries and tears. That means he suffered before he died, right? He pleaded that God would take it away from him. God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence. See a tie back to the fear of the Lord? Even Jesus, Jesus had a deep reverence for his God. We quickly say, but Jesus was God. Yes, he was God come to earth in flesh, Emmanuel. But he was still a human that had the same temptations we have, Okay? Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. So God never says you won't suffer. He says you learn things like patience and obedience when you suffer. Okay? It says in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. Let's skip to verse 11. It says, oh, this is where it comes in for us. There is so much more we would like to say about this. So this writer is trying to explain to the Hebrews why it was important that Jesus had to suffer, how he gained his obedience, how he was reverent. But he says, there's so much more I'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. This is where I was saying, hang on with me. Don't, don't leave here saying, my preacher said I was spiritually dull and I don't listen. Some of you, it may be true, but verse 12, he says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who loves, I'm sorry, who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right or wrong guess what 2022 is going to be about? We're going to stop drinking baby's milk. We're going to start eating some solid food, okay? Like steak. What's what's your favorite solid food? Filet mignon, tacos. We're going to eat some solid food, okay? For Casey, it's like tofu or whatever because she can't eat anything. Don't tell Casey I said that. I'm going to go to a different scripture that's similar. It talks about baby's milk. This is Paul talking in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I, and, and you're going to notice there's a little different theme in this one, and I'm going to explain this. But He said, When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinthians, and he's writing his letter after it's become a church. But when he was there physically with them, it wasn't a church yet. They're just people who don't know Jesus, and he's trying to teach them. So he says, When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. So this is after they become a church. He's kind of chastising them. You're still not ready for the heavy stuff. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. This is in the church, guys. He's telling the church, you're quarreling with one another. You're jealous with one another. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Paulus, aren't you just acting like the people of the world? What is Paul saying? He's getting on to them. He's saying you've been taught, but you're still, you're so worried about following somebody, you're not doing what Jesus asked you to do. And we've talked about that. Don't follow me or another preacher or somebody on TV. Follow the word of God and follow Jesus. And that's what Paul is telling them. But there's a difference between these two scriptures, a big difference. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is chastising them. He's telling them you're not ready for anything stronger than baby milk. And I ask the question, is that what he would say to the average Christian in 2022? Think about it. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the average church-going Christian who's now gotten comfortable laying in their bed on Sunday morning because that's so much better than going to church and being around believers, who will rather watch it on TV and be entertained. Do you think Paul would show up and say, you're ready for the meat? Or would he say, no, you're baby milk. I can't even give you the meat yet. That's not who we want to be, guys. Okay? That's not who we want to be. But in Hebrews, there's a different tune. The first scripture we read in Hebrews is telling us, follow the example of Jesus. Be like Jesus. Deep reverence for God. That's when you're ready for the meat. Obedience through suffering. Now you're ready for the meat. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill through training. Why do we go through all that stuff with spiritual warfare? Why do we go through all this stuff about teaching you to fight fear? It's called training. I want to break something to you. You shouldn't have come here this morning expecting what can I get out of it? What good word is going to make me feel good? You come for training. How many of you have ever been in training before in the army? I know we are in the military. I know we at least got one or two. Was the training ever fun? Okay, so we're trying to make church as fun as possible, but training <laughs> by its nature isn't always fun. So hear this as gently as I can say it. It's time for us to grow up. We live in a time that there's no no normal. We're not going backwards to normal. And if we don't learn to have a deep reverence for God, we're in trouble. And if we don't learn how to suffer through being obedient, there's going to be problems. So this year we're going to dig into some meaty topics. Here's the deal. It's up to you if you want the meat up to you i can't force it on you but i'm here to train a warrior not to babysit little babies okay probably the harshest thing i've ever said with a microphone in my hand and maybe you're at different points in your training and that's okay don't start looking at the person beside you and say well i'm failing because i'm not where they are maybe you're in day one and that's today And maybe you're in day 365. Don't get jealous at day one of the person at 365. Be motivated by them. Go to them and ask for help. Use them as an example. Maybe you're in day 4,000. Look up to them. Don't get jealous of them. Don't compare yourself. So my goal is going to be to dive into a deep thing, tie scripture to it, and give you some practical ways to handle or deal with it. So now, are you guys ready for your first topic of the year 2022? Okay. Okay. At least I hadn't lost you, but I'm not ready to give it to you yet. Before we go there, don't fall asleep. Before we go there, we've got to look at some other scripture to prove to you why this is important. Why is it urgent in 2022 that we get to the meat? Thank you. John's on to it. So Jesus and Paul gave us some pretty cool scripture, some things to look for. To show the signs of the times. Don't worry. I'm not up here giving you an end times prophecy discussion today. But we're going to talk about what Jesus. And Paul said, Matthew 24, 12, this is Jesus talking. He said, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Anybody in here think that sin is not rampant everywhere? Okay, praise the Lord. Not praise the Lord that it's rampant, that we recognize it. Anybody in here watching the love of many grow cold? Even the people that are supposed to be good to us. Okay, so this is good. Nobody seems to be disagreeing because if you're not seeing these two things, I'm not saying you're a baby. I'm saying you got your head stuck in the sand. (laughs) I had to finish that before John did. (laughs) If you have some thought that things are going to back to normal, your head's in the sand. If you want to sit around every day and pretend like the world's not as bad as it really is, your head's in the sand and you're not ready for the meat. So it's your decision. Jesus said a few other things later in Matthew 24. This is verse 37 through 39. And, oh, this is key. He said, when the Son of Man returns. So we don't know the day or the hour. But Jesus said, start looking for things. He said things like, look up. Well, you better be looking up because things are happening at a rapid pace. He says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like in Noah's day. And we're going to dig into what does that mean? What does it mean it'll be like in Noah's day? In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So Jesus is telling us, I'm going to come when it's least expected, but we got to dig a little bit into what that time of Noah means. Same discussion in Luke 17 Verses 26 through 30, but he expounds upon it. Again, he says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's days. Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Here's what he adds. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. Anybody remember Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah, not a good place. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying it's going to get crazy, guys. It's going to get crazier. It's going to get crazier. And as this happens, we need to be aware that his return could be near. I didn't say is near. I said could be near. Okay? Could be very near. But don't miss the point that he's also making here in saying that the times of his return will look much like the evilness in the days of Noah and Lot. We don't know exactly what the evilness looked like in the days of Noah. We know it was evil. But we don't know exactly what they were doing that qualified them as evil. Okay? But, We know it was bad enough that God decided to destroy all but eight humans. So it must have been pretty bad. Okay? Then we go over to Sodom and Gomorrah. They were trying to publicly rape men. But God only destroyed that city. So Sodom and Gomorrah, they're trying to rape a couple of men. God destroys the city. What in the crap was going on in the times of Noah that he had to destroy a whole earth except for eight people? It was evil. The question I have is, are we living in similar times? This is the moment when maybe you get your head out of the sand when I tell this example. And I told this a few weeks ago if you were with us. About a month or two ago, I can't remember exactly when, a woman was raped in public on a Philadelphia subway train while onlookers videoed it. You tell me that's not evil. You tell me we're not living in the same time that Sodom and Gomorrah was burned down. That is evil. By the way, they were more interested in going after the people that took videos than they were about going after the perpetrator. And this didn't happen like immediately. It went on for a long time of harassment before it led into it. And I'm sorry, I told you this was not going to be like a kid-friendly discussion, okay? But we live in a world that is sick, We have to get our head out of the sand and realize what is going on around us. We may not be actually like living at the end of time. We don't know that, but we are living in a wicked world, and I think we can agree. Paul said something, too, though, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and we've talked about this scripture before. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. 2022, <laughs> they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Do you think our society's not scoffing at God? But you live in the Bible Belt, right? So you're good. 30% of Blunt Countyans go to church now. I didn't say 30% were Christians. I said 30% go to church. Ten years ago, that number was like 80%. And it's happened right before our eyes, and we didn't even see it happening. Or maybe we did. By the way, that number started trending down way before COVID. COVID just became an excuse to make it easy. They will be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Man, we see ungrateful people all the time. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. I'm wondering if he's talking about the world or church here, by the way. But anyway. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I had someone tell me this week that the things that we talk about in the Word of God aren't for us today. And I've yet to find that in Scripture. but Paul addressed it. They will act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from those people. Jesus and Paul are warning us. It's going to get nuts, guys. Okay, so here's the cool thing. It's nuts right now, so you were warned, so this is a little bit of encouragement, like hopefully we'll get to more, but if you're expecting these things to get better and not worse, you think your government's going to make it better or the policemen in your town are going to make it better? Rhetorical question, John. <laughs> we'll do conspiracy theories next week. <laughs> it's time to wake up and realize where we are because we got to be prepared. We need to be ready to persevere. Parker said we need to get our heads out of the sand just for the recordings. <laughs> this, bring it back. This is why we got to start eating meat. See, in years past, we saw pockets of evil. We saw certain times of the year, like Black Friday, when people got evil. Now it's like Black Friday every day. I heard on the way here there was some road rage happening. Is that correct? I won't go there. <laughs> but now it's 24-7, 365 every day. Everywhere you go, it's weird. Unless we put our heads in the sand. This is a different topic for a different time in 2022, but most of the corruption's around money. We'll get there later. All right, you ready for today's topic now? Yes, Perversion. Oh, oh. Golly, I didn't see the cringes. I heard the cringes. And you think I'm talking about sexual perversion, right? (laughs) And we are going to talk about that, but guess what? It's so much more. So we don't do Webster anymore. We Google, right? So if you Google the word perversion, don't like look at the pictures. Just Google definition of perversion, (laughs) You get two descriptions, and the first one has nothing to do with sex. The first one says the alteration of something from its original course, meaning or state, to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. I'm going to say that again. An alteration of something from what it was designed to be. That's perversion. Corruption or distortion of what it was first intended to be. That's perversion. Okay, we're going to go deeper here. Number two, sexual behavior or desire that is considered abnormal or uh, unacceptable. So when I say perversion, the first word you think of is sexual perversion, but it's actually number two on the definition. Okay? But if we look at the complete definition of perversion, it's been around since the beginning of mankind, and I can prove it to you. Open your Bible to Genesis and read about the snake in the garden, Satan. When Satan tempted Eve, he took the truth. The truth was you can eat from any tree in this garden as long as you stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the truth. Satan comes in and says, did God say you can't eat from any tree? He perverted the truth. Are you following me? That's a perversion of the truth. He twisted it just a little bit to get her into a discussion because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to get you in a discussion. Remember, Jesus stopped the discussion before it started with Scripture. Eve didn't. She followed into the discussion. There's an alteration of the original meaning or the original state of what God intended. Nothing sexual happened, but Satan perverted the words of God to make her think she deserved more. Oh, God doesn't want you to know everything he knows. And what is she thinking now? The truth has been perverted to make her think there's more there that she deserves to know that she doesn't get to know satan has perverted the truth and now he's drawn her in to failure you with me it happened with the first two humans when jesus was tempted by satan in the wilderness and this ought to be fresh on your minds because we spent a whole sunday on it like two weeks ago he quoted scripture which is truth he quoted psalms 91 he didn't misquote it he quoted scripture Verbatim. But he used it in a way to change its original intent. Therefore, he perverted Scripture. He perverted the truth with Eve. He perverted Scripture with Jesus. He used a Scripture. God actually made that. That Scripture is a protection Scripture. It's a spiritual warfare Scripture. Many of you are encouraged to read that over your houses. And if you're not, do it every day. Once a week. Do it sometime. But it's a protection scripture given by God. And Satan tried to manipulate Jesus to test God's word, which was the perversion. If I can get you to test God's word, that means I perverted your faith, Jesus. Okay? But yes, perversion can also be sexual. And many times in our society, it is sexual. So buckle up for the uncomfortable here, boys and girls. God made sex. And he made it to be enjoyable And he made it to be in a certain place between a man and a woman. Okay? I don't care what your society tells you. I'm going against society because I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And if you don't like that, that's okay. Take it up with God. I've said that before. But it also had a purpose. It was supposed to be enjoyable between a husband and wife, but it had a purpose too, right? Like there's this crazy miracle thing that happens, and a body creates life. So sex in itself is a good thing designed by God, but we, yours truly included for those that are feeling like your preacher's condemning you right now, it's not because I've lived in this world. We alter it from its original design. So we distort its original meaning and it just became perversion. So are you with me? The truth can be perverted. Scripture can be perverted. Your sex life can be perverted. Okay? Everybody good? These are just random ones. I could, There's a thousand. I'm just going through some random ones. Adultery. Sex outside of marriage. God designed it for it to be in the marriage. When it's outside the marriage, it is perversion. Pornography. See, there's so many men, and I counsel them, and they say things like, but I'm not cheating on her. I'm not committing adultery. It's just pornography. Well, it's not sex with you and your wife. It's sex on a screen now. Okay, so that's still perversion, and Satan's got you believing a lie that it's okay. Lusting at someone, anybody remember what Jesus said about that? You look at that person with lust, you've done it. So if you lust looking at someone in your mind, so we've talked about a physical outside of your marriage, we've talked about sex on the screen, now we're talking about in your mind is perversion. Using someone... I'm sorry, using manipulation, there's a key word we're going to come back to, using manipulation of a situation or someone's feeling to lure them into sex, perversion. Girls, listen, please, guys, do this. I'm sorry that we are filthy animals, but we do this. We say things to try to lure, not me now, just to be clear, but we say things to lure women and manipulate them for what we want that's selfish. And that is a perversion of what God intended it to be. I'd like to tell you I'm innocent, but not when I was younger I wasn't. All of these things are an altar of God's design. Therefore, it's perversion. Think about abortion. And remember, every time we talk about these nasty things, we come back to God's grace. Okay, so I'm going to come back there. Be patient with me. Abortion is a perversion of God's design. God's design from sex was this baby is created. And Satan comes in and says, I want to pervert that whole process and convince you that you're right and it's okay. Child sex trafficking. Where's our government on that? We talked about it last year as we worked with two ministries, one local. You get your head out of the sand. You got a safe house in Blount County in Friendsville, Tennessee for a local sex traffic operation a local high school coach was busted a couple of weeks ago a pastor was busted a couple of years ago it's in our backyard we got to get our head out of the sand that's back to that Sodom and Gomorrah evil by the way but it is a perversion something is telling these people that this is normal and it's okay and it's not but like I said perversion is so much more than sexual So this may shock you what I'm about to say and where I'm gonna go next, but I think I see more perversion perversion that doesn't have anything to do with sex than I do seeing perversion that has to do with sex. There's so much more perversion out there in the world that has zero to do with sex, zero. The problem is it's easy to see sexual perversion. Sexual perversion often has consequences Maybe a child, a disease, Uh, maybe pornography being something that changes how your mind, how you view the opposite sex, and that's very bad. Maybe it affects the way you approach and view relationships, because you don't actually get to know the person, you're trying to get to know them physically before you have anything to do with them emotionally, and that was not God's design. So sexual perversion has consequences. But there's so much more perversion going on around us that I don't even think we see. I don't even think we know what's going on. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. I know none of us have done this in this room. Have you ever twisted what someone says to manipulate an outcome for yourself or that person? By definition, perversion. You ever gotten to know someone gather some data about them, and then use it against them when it benefits you? Hey, at least we got one honest person here. Praise the Lord. That's perversion. (laughs) I said use it against them. You ever use it to better yourself in a manipulative way? Use the data you know to make yourself look good because you know something. I've done that. I've done all these, by the way. It's perversion. Okay, the good news is, child comes in and we're past the tough part. Um, Have you ever used scripture or had scripture used against you out of its original design? All the time. I can name people that do it on a regular basis. That's perversion. You're perverting God's word. That's not a good place to be. Anybody in your past that's hurt you or maybe abandoned you, didn't want to have anything to do with you, just out of, of a sudden pop up like nothing's wrong, and they want you back, and you're like, oh, good, they realize that I didn't do anything to them. Anybody ever have that happen? Often that person is manipulative, and they're full of perversion, changing what the reality of what happened to woo you back to hurt you again. So I think you need to be aware of that one. Now, we have to be careful. They may have repented. They may have changed. They may have come back to tell you they're truly sorry. But how many times does that happen versus how many times they've had a manipulative agenda? So I'm going to say that perversion is rampant in our churches and it's rampant in our world. This is not a non-Christian thing. We saw Satan try to manipulate Jesus with Scripture. Then we saw the Pharisees, who are the men of God, and they pervert scripture, manipulate Jesus, by the way, I don't know if you picked up, but kind of manipulate and perversion are like synonymous terms in a way. If you're manipulating something, you are perverting it from its truth. The Pharisees try to manipulate Jesus with questions. They try to pin him into blasphemy. Why? Because they love their power and they love their money. Where are we in our world today? People love their power and they love their money and they will manipulate you and manipulate the truth and pervert the truth to keep their power and money, okay? Unfortunately, we've watched pastors and Christians use the term Jesus in Scripture to get what they want. Perversion. What about your government? You think they participate in perversion? Probably all the above. Making you feel guilty because you made a health choice while they allow sex trafficking and fentanyl drug overdoses to run rampant in our society. The number one killer right now of, of, of people ages, I think it's 18 to 45, is fentanyl overdose, not COVID. It's perversion. Perversion for money. You getting the point? If anything is used outside of its original purpose and design, it's perversion. And I know that's an ugly word. But if we're honest, we see it all around us. And if you don't, I hope you do now. We need to be able to identify it because it's in our work, it's in our homes, it's in our churches, it's in our hearts, it's in our government. It's in our everyday lives. So what do we do about it? Anybody know what perversion is? I'm going to call it an evil spirit. Oh, you can't talk about that because the stuff they talked about in the Bible is not for today, right? If you didn't catch the sarcasm, that was the most facetious thing I've said today. Perversion is an evil spirit, it's a demon that Satan uses. That's why it's important that we understand spiritual warfare. Whether it's sexual or not, perversion is designed to twist God's truth. And my concern is that many of us have perversion and maybe we think we're fooled into thinking it's okay because I'm not doing all these bad sexual things. But we have perversion oozing from us, and we don't see it because we've never been taught about it. That's what I mean by getting some meat. We've got to teach about these things. So now we know what it is. It's evil spirit. When you see it, you've got to pray against it. You've got to start to recognize it. We've talked about this before. You buy a new car, and you have never seen that new car on the road. And when you buy it, the next week you see it like 17 of them on your way to work because you you only see what you're looking for. So if you see it, I'm not saying go out with a critical spirit and look for it. I'm saying when it hits you, you have to be able to recognize it, and here's a simple prayer against it. So it took me 30 minutes to tell you what it was. It took me 10 seconds to tell you how to pray against it. I bind up a spirit of perversion in the name of Jesus and tell it to leave me alone. Wendy said you might say it multiple times you have authority Jesus said every believer will do the same and greater things than him you have authority and you got to start taking that authority and if me talking about demons freaks you out you may need to go back and read what we call the gospels four books and read some red letters because some would say that over a third of Jesus's ministry is about casting out demons But if you read a little deeper, many times when people were simply sick, he cast a demon out of them to relieve their sickness. So somewhere between a third and two-thirds of the Gospels deal with demons and casting them out. So whether it's perversion, manipulation, when you see it happening, it's a demon from hell It's designed to destroy you and your family, your faith, your career, your eternity. And I want to give you a biblical example of something that stood out to me this week, and this is what we're going to finish with this morning. And when I say finish, it's still going to be a few minutes. I saw a great example of perversion being used and how it was dealt with. So when I say the name name King David, what's the first few things you think of? Blurt it out. Goliath. i got two Goliaths. It's the number one answer. What's number two? Wow, we think of great old King David, and the first thing we think of is his high and his low. (laughs) And that's not where I'm going with perversion in David's life. When I read through David's story this week, I saw something I'd never seen. Quick recap, Saul's chosen to be king by God. He's anointed. Saul starts kind of saying, I got this, God. I don't need your help. God removes the anointing. God says, I'm going to choose someone else. God sends Samuel to find David. David's not the usual suspect. They start with David's oldest brother and come all the way down. Oh, there's one more. He's the shepherd out in the field. And there's a scripture that it says God doesn't look at the outward appearance, looks at the heart. David didn't fit the outward appearance at this moment of what they were looking for in a king, okay? Samuel finds David. David comes. Oh, by the way, this demon thing. When Saul turned against God, God sent him evil spirits to torment him. Maybe that's a reason you ought to be in reverence and awe of God. Because I want to be on his side, not him sending tormenting spirits to me. David played the harp to soothe Saul's demons. Became his armor bearer. David kills Goliath. But see, David got news from Samuel that day. said, you're going to be king. And he didn't start perverting his situation. He didn't start perverting his circumstance. He didn't try to manipulate. He continued to serve because this is what I've missed before. When Samuel came looking for David, David was serving his daddy. Literal, father. He was tending the sheep. He was serving. He wasn't doing something great and mighty. He was serving. When David earned the right to be Saul's armor bearer, he earned it by serving Saul, playing the music to soothe him. When David, how many know how David got to the battlefield? He was not a warrior. He was not in the army. He went to the battlefield because his dad sent him with food to check on his brothers. He was there to serve his brothers. David just kept getting promoted every time he served. You you catching on to something from last year now? When the world's going crazy around David, he kept Doing the right thing. He didn't pervert things. The perversion of Bathsheba and all that came later, okay? So don't focus on that. David served his father, he served the king, he served his brothers. Oh, then then Saul gets jealous and he starts trying to kill David. Because Saul started believing a lie that David wanted to kill him, but David never wanted to kill him. That was a perversion of the truth. Saul started believing perversion of the truth. So he starts trying to kill David. Guess what? Manipulation and perversion make us do things that don't make sense. And that's what we saw from Saul here. David had a chance to kill him two times. To kill him. David could have killed Saul two times, but he didn't because he was obedient. Remember that obedience to suffering thing? David was hiding in a cave while he was being obedient, didn't take advantage of the times to kill him because God didn't give him permission to do that. So I'm, what I'm trying to get at is things were kind of crazy around David. Anybody agree? Things were nuts around David. The world's caving in around him. He's hiding in a cave, but he didn't allow perversion to change what his purpose or his timing was. He just kept serving, and he kept doing the right thing. Even, even Saul said, you returned good for my evil. So, guys, that's our, that's our blueprint. David served when things got nuts. He, be, he stayed obedient. And he kept doing right when everyone else was doing wrong. How many of us fall into that trap of they hurt me, I will hurt them back? We do that. And that's a perversion of the truth. Because David shows us you keep doing the right thing. So that's what we're going to do this year. We're going to teach about heavy stuff, and we're going to keep serving we're going to keep letting God put us in the right place. And I want to encourage you to do that. So many of you are looking for purpose right now, right? Keep serving. Maybe God's waiting on you to lay down and be humble and serve to get you to the place that you're going to be the king. Because there's a lot more of the story I don't have time to go into today. David had to go through a lot before he became king. So if you're struggling with any of this, let us help you. Because the things I talked about with perversion may bring on that condemnation. Don't allow that to happen. Today's kind of a draw a line in the sand day. Does that make sense? I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care what happened on your way here. I don't care what's happening in your mind up to this point. I'm asking you to make a decision from this point forward to work on it, to recognize it, to fight against it. See, that's the beauty of Jesus' grace. I can't undo all these bad things I did when I was addicted to pornography and manipulating people. I was a salesman for 15 years. I perverted everything every day to try to get something for me called money. But at some point, I had to draw a line in the sand and say, I stopped doing that. And that's called repentance. And that's all Jesus asked. Repent. Change. Don't do it anymore. And then the grace overwhelms you. So this can be perceived as harsh or protective. I hope you receive it as protective. (laughs) Because if you think what I'm saying today is meant harsh towards you, that is a perversion of the truth. We're going to remain faithful, hopeful, servant, regardless of what the world does. I don't care how crazy it gets in 2022. I don't know what it's going to bring. But we're going to talk about some raw things to prepare you for the evil that's coming against our world world and if there's a topic that you want discussed, discuss just let us know we'll ta- let's try to tackle it i haven't heard perversion ever preached about in a church so i thought that was kind of a good one to start with and as we learn we're going to serve god with everything we have because that's who we are and that's what he expects us to do okay you with me in 2022 all right let's pray father thank you for exposing the evil around us in such a way that we can see it. Help it give us courage to continue fighting it. That we don't fail to perversion, whether it's sexual or not. That we don't fail. That we stay strong and obedient and reverent. And we serve you no matter the circumstances. Father, help us show our love for you by fighting this and by helping those around us, not by hurting them. So, Father, give us strength to fight this fight this year and to just tackle anything 2022 throws at us. In Jesus' name, amen.